The Charlie Brown Christmas Special aired for the very first time on December 9th, 1965. How many of you have watched that show at least once in your life? All right, all kinds of hands. The project was on a tight timeline that took it from initial idea to air date in three months. Charles M. Schultz, the creator of Peanuts, he had a couple non-negotiables. The first was that actual children were to voice the characters. They weren't going to hire adult actors to do the voices. They wanted actual children to do the voices. So that was one of his non-negotiables. The, uh, the other non-negotiable for Schultz was the inclusion of Linus, the character Linus, reading from the Bible. That was a non-negotiable. Even in 1965, this made television executives nervous. A Washington Post article from December 5th, 2011, it was entitled this, The Gospel Truth of a Charlie Brown Christmas, How a Humble Peanuts Holiday Classic Defied the Odds. This is what this article from 211 said. Charles Schultz insisted on one core purpose. A Charlie Brown Christmas had to be about something, namely the true meaning of Christmas. Otherwise, Schultz said, why bother doing it? Production collaborators Mendelssohn and Melendez asked Schultz whether he was sure he wanted to include the biblical text in the special. The cartoonist response, Mendelssohn recalls, was this, if we don't, who will? Since the creator was insisting and the timeline was so tight, the green light was given and they got to work on the project. The article goes on to say, a Charlie Brown Christmas was screened for CBS executives who promptly didn't get it. <laughs> These TV executives. They didn't get the voices. They didn't get the music. They didn't get the pacing, Mendelssohn recalls. They said, this is probably going to be the last Peanuts special but we've got it scheduled for next week, so we've just got to air it. On December 9th, 1965, A Charlie Brown Christmas debuted. The special garnered glowing reviews and half the country tuned in. The story was elegantly simple. Charlie Brown was frustrated with Christmas. Too much commercialism, nonstop activity, Parties and planning and decorations and just so much going on. Lots of family interplay. And some of you today may already be having a Charlie Brown Christmas. You may be here today and the demands of the season to finish strong in your business. To buy gifts, to put up decorations, to help in the community and to please family members. Oh, that's one of the toughest, right? Charlie Brown was struggling to know what Christmas was all about, and when he was about to give up hope, Linus stepped to the microphone and read this story from Luke chapter 2. So what does the real meaning of Christmas really mean? How does this story about shepherds and angels and a young couple having a baby in a manger for my December how does the story of the shepherds change not only my Christmas, but change my life? I want to invite you to take out your outlines for these next few minutes. 
and just follow along with this story of the shepherds. We're in the series called The Stories of Christmas, and this is the story of the shepherds from Luke chapter 2. And let this story make your Christmas different this year. In your outlines, you can see how this story affects us. First, I have to hear the message given to the shepherds. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will cause joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah the Lord. It's what we hear in this message. What is this message? As you follow along in your outline, the first thing that we hear in this message is that God is for you. God is for you. He's on your side. He's on my side. He's on our side. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is for you. No matter what, you can say this, no matter what, even if you're a Toronto fan. God is for you. It's a message that we need to hear over and over and over again. Because the main message we hear about God in Canadian culture is not that God is for you. That's not what we hear in the popular culture of Canada. We hear at best that if there is a God, he's distant, he's afar off. That's at best. And at worst, we hear the message in Western civilization, in Canadian society, we hear the message over and over again, God's dead. There's no God. Our public institutions aren't permitted uh, to acknowledge God, not the way they they used to be. So many public institutions, they're afraid to acknowledge God. Or the idea that the scriptures have a basis in history. Or that they're relevant for our lives. Religious freedom is interpreted to mean private convictions that are not allowed to interfere with the so-called real life in the public square. And is it any wonder that we're anxious? A world with no God is an unsure place. In Canada, we're one of the most secure places on earth, and yet our anxiety levels, they just keep rising and rising and rising. When you go back to the book of Genesis and think about Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed God, when they left God out of their decision-making, they were afraid, and they tried to hide from God. And this is why the story of the shepherds is so important for you. It's so important for all of us. Not only is God alive, he's for you. He sent a company of angels to declare it. The King James Bible says it this way, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Over and over in the scriptures, God used shepherds. Abel or Abel in Genesis, the son of Adam and Abel. Abel was a shepherd. He brought a blood sacrifice 
before God. Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. Moses was an Egyptian prince who became a shepherd. And before David was ever a warrior or a king, he was a, you guessed it, the kings and priests of Israel. They failed as shepherds of the people. I'm in this new role of a district superintendent, and I'm called to be a shepherd to the shepherds. And my time here at Centennial Road has prepared me because we are a community of shepherds. Pastor Roger, Pastor Hannah, Pastor Justin, every one of you is small group leaders. The people who are with our preschoolers right now and the people that are with our teenagers and the people that are with our grades one through five, they're shepherding them today. They're serving as shepherds of their religious education and as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends you're called to shepherd the next generation we're a community of shepherds here at Centennial Road and Jesus was the shepherd who became the sacrificial lamb Jesus was the shepherd who became like one of the sheep and he shed his blood for you the story of the shepherds is an official announcement God is for you God is on your side. When I visited my friend John Pullman this week, we had a beautiful service for him yesterday. I visited him ever so briefly a few weeks back in the Kingston Hospital, and the visit was short because he was in terrible pain. And at the conclusion of that very brief visit, in the middle of some of the worst agony and pain you can imagine, I just said this simply to him. I said, God bless you, John. And his reply was immediate. He always does. Because John understood God was for him. And God is for you. And you can be absolutely sure that God is for you today. You can also be sure that the Messiah, the Rescuer, the Christ, the Anointed One, has been born. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. How do you know someone is really for you? How do you know? I think you know by what they are willing to give up for you. By what they're willing to lay down or sacrifice. Jesus gave us the main part of his job description in John's gospel. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Abraham was willing to lay down the life of his son Isaac on, in the region of Moriah, on Mount Moriah. And when you study where Mount Moriah was, it was Jerusalem. It was where Jesus became the Lamb of God. And you see this picture in Abraham and Isaac, this picture of Jesus who was to come. Because Abraham said, God will provide the Lamb. And he provided Jesus for us generations and generations in the future. David, as a boy, was willing to lay his life down for Israel. Daniel, as we studied in our Unshakable series, he faced down death multiple times on behalf of God's people. And the majority of the apostles who followed Jesus, they laid their lives down as martyrs for the message of the gospel. 
The Atlantic Magazine did an interview recently with N.T. Wright, who's one of my theological heroes, and they asked him, do you feel hopeful about the future of Christianity? Because in the West, it doesn't look very hopeful, at least in our society. It, it, you wouldn't even know that God is there. And this is what Wright said. He said, yeah, of course I feel hopeful. He said, do you remember a name by the name of Leslie Newbigin? Does that name mean anything to you? He was a Presbyterian who went out to India as a missionary. And someone once asked him whether he was an optimist or a pessimist. And he said, I'm neither an optimist nor a pessimist. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. In other words, Wright says, something has happened as a result of which the world is a different place. If we put our faith only in a Western Enlightenment version of the spread of Christianity, how foolish would we be? Christianity is thriving in Africa, in Asia, in China. For goodness sakes, it's amazing, actually. And speaking of Dr. N.T. Wright, when we consider this message of uh, the fact that the Messiah has been born and God is for us, and we're hearing this message to the shepherds, we need to understand that God's glory reigns in heaven and on earth. This appearance of the angels to the shepherds, it's a clue. And many of us miss this clue because we're trained up in this way of thinking to think that God is distant. Heaven is distant. It's somewhere way far off. That's how many of us conceive of this in our Greek Western civilizational categories. But that's not the Bible. The Bible has a different message. Western culture, our culture, our Canadian culture, they, it's kind of Christmas time is sort of like Elf on the Shelf, right? Uh, many of you do this for your children or your grandchildren. God is kind of the Elf on the Shelf to Canadian culture. It's kind of like, we'll get the Elf out of the tickle trunk. That shows my age, right? Knowing what a tickle trunk is. We'll get the Elf out of the tickle trunk. We'll put it up on the shelf just for a few weeks. We'll kind of have some songs about Christmas, and we'll just let God be that little elf on the shelf, and then after Christmas, we're just going to put him right back away, right? That's how Western culture is kind of doing it now, and that's not the Bible. That's not what's going on. God shows up in a big way to these humble shepherds in the field, and it shows that God is right there with you. Folks, heaven is probably just the, the most thin of a veil all around us. Heaven is all around you right now. This church service today, the tears that want to flow from my eyes, the sense of the holy that's in this room, it means that God is right beside us. He's right here. His glory reigns in heaven and on earth. And folks, heaven is so close. It is so close. Those angels, they show up in the veil. They come out of the veil and they're right there. Do you realize God is with you, walking with you? Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll send you a comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. His Holy Spirit is with us right now. We have this assurance of God's presence walking with us. I was talking to Johanna Freer, who's the director of Youth for Christ, here in this area, and she was talking about when she was a, a, a younger woman, I guess, back a few years ago, working for Youth for Christ. She was a teenager when she started working for them, working in her young adult years, and she said how one day in their youth center, 
there was this great big guy, known kind of drug dealer in town. He was like six foot four. And he came in and he said, where's Jimmy? You know, and Jimmy was a kid, I guess, that had stolen from the gang or stolen from the drug people or whatever. And, and Johanna said, she just said, I looked at him and I just said, you don't belong here. I don't know where Jimmy is and you need to leave. And the guy just kind of turned around and went. And Johanna said, I'm sure there was an eight-foot angel behind me that was just saying, get out of here. And the guy just turned around and left. Because God is that close to us, folks. If we will have faith and if we will just tune in to what God's doing, he's right there. So hear the message. Secondly, I I need to follow the example set by the shepherds. You need to follow the example set by these shepherds in Luke chapter 2. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go see this thing that has happened in Bethlehem, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. We need to follow their example. What did they do? Well, one, they got together. They got together. There's a power when people get together. What you're doing today in assembling in public space is powerful. It means something when we get together. He came to shepherds who held a meeting in response to the revelation. So the angels come and the shepherds, after the angels go, the shepherds, they hold this meeting. They got together. Do you realize God reveals himself? He revealed himself in the scriptures to this one man named Abraham. And then through Abraham, he revealed himself to the family of Abraham. And then Abraham's family, well, they got so big they became a tribe, 12 tribes. And then these 12 tribes, they got hungry in a famine and they were led down into Egypt. And in Egypt, they just kept proliferating and they became like a nation. They became so powerful. They were a threat to Pharaoh and Pharaoh tried to enslave them and put them down. And they just kept multiplying and they became a nation. And then as that nation journeyed to the wilderness and they went to the promised land and over time out of that nation came Jesus the Messiah who now says go to all the nations, all the people groups and spread this message that I'm for you, I'm alive. And so they got together. We're called to gather together in the name of Jesus individually and in transparent space where we're with people that we love deeply. We're called to do it in friendship space like our small groups, in social space like our our day the other day when we got together for a Christmas luncheon as the seniors and then in public space just like this. We're called to gather and proclaim the name of Jesus. For the past year, the people of Hong Kong have been gathering in small groups and large groups. They've been gathering in big public spaces, and they've been longing for freedom because they see what's happening with the Chinese government. Not the Chinese people, but the Chinese government that continues to repress them and repress their freedom in Hong Kong and only approximately 10% of Hong Kong would self-identify as Christian but one of the freedoms that they still have in Hong Kong one of the freedoms that's still on the books that probably comes from their time under British rule is that they have freedom of religious assembly so what's happening they're doing their protests and then in the middle of the protest sometimes when things get really heated they start to sing 
a Christian song that was written in 1974. And this is one of the homemade videos. And this is what it's looked like in Hong Kong in this past year when they get together. space. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. What did the angels sing? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. They got together, then they made a decision, these shepherds. They decided to test out the message. We're going to check this out. God wants you today to make a decision for Jesus. We are unashamed here at Centennial Road. We want you to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. We want everybody in our community to be able to have the opportunity to make that decision. We're unapologetic. We want to encourage you to make your decision. When I was a little guy going to church, it was my mother who got us all together because my dad had walked away from his faith somewhere in his early teens. And he had walked away from faith. It was, it was just a, a kind of a conflict that happened in the church. He was supposed to be baptized and the preacher looked at him and said, what are you doing here? You're not getting baptized. And he said, well, I'm never coming back. You know, he kind of did one of those, right? And so he, he, had, he had simply said, I'm not going back to church. And so my mother, she raised three of us and she'd get us together on a December morning like this. She'd bundle us up and take us to church. And I was called into the ministry as a teenager and then my dad started coming back to church and he would, I'd be singing in church or I'd be given a word or being in a play or something like even what we do around here. Then I went to Bible college and I invited some friends uh, over those years in Bible college. Would you pray with me for my dad? Would you pray he makes a decision for Jesus Christ? On my final night of Bible college, it was the baccalaureate service the, the night before the graduation um, one of my friends gave a message and invited people to make a decision. Invited people to raise their hand if they would make a decision for Christ. I had my head bowed because I was up in the choir and uh, when he was asking about hands going up and then all these people in the choir, all my friends in the choir, they just started going like this to me, you know, get, put your head up, dummy, you know, kind of thing. And so I put my head up and my, my father's hand was up making the decision for Jesus Christ. He was the age then that I am now. He was in his early 50s. He had walked away somewhere 13, 14 years old. He was in his early 50s. He made a decision for Jesus Christ. He just turned 80. He's in church this morning, I guarantee you. <laughs> Sits in the back row, but anyway. He's <laughs> in the back row, but he's there. He's, not, he hard, he's never missed a Sunday if he doesn't have to miss and he loves the Lord and he made a decision. And I, I want you to know you can make that decision today for Jesus. He, they made a decision as shepherds. They checked it out and then they confirmed it. They went and they saw. The, the angels had said, you'll know. Here's the sign. It'll be a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. That's how you'll know this is true. And they went and they checked it out. Thirdly and finally today, after we follow the example of the shepherds, we need to spread the word in the style 
of the shepherds. Luke 2, 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word, these shepherds, about uh, concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. These shepherds told their story. It's so simple to tell the story of Jesus. We have a, a friend of mine in the church. He's already taken uh, 500 of these and delivered them to homes in the North End. Um, these little cards that we have. I take them with me everywhere I go and I strike up conversations. And every now and then I get to, I get to tell the story of Jesus to someone. And I always, in December, give them one of these little cards. Uh, I want to invite the ushers. I'm not even sure if you guys were all informed on this, but head to the back there and grab a bunch of these. And just while I'm finishing up, you guys come ahead, grab these cards, and just hand them out. I want, take, you know, if you want two, take two. If you want three, take three. Um, there's, we've got tons of them, right? So just hand them out, ushers, uh, in the congregation. I want you to have your hands on these. I want you to just have one of these in, in your hands right now. It's so simple to tell the story. Folks, the story's not being told by the CBC. The, story, the story's not being told by CTV or Global or CNN. The story's not being told. Charles Schultz said, if it's not us, who's it going to be? If we don't tell the story, who's going to tell it? And so today, I want you just to take some of these and to be able to say, I'm going to put this in my pocket or my purse. I'm going to have a couple in the car. And for the next few weeks, I just want to invite you to spread the word. Just spread the word. And many of you are spreading the word in so many really, really cool ways. Take some time to drive through the the festival of lights, the river of lights, and tune in on the radio because all kinds of Christian music is there. Spread the word. It's so simple to tell the story of Jesus. And you know what? When these shepherds were telling the story, these were pretty humble people, right? They were people just like us. They were humble. They were regular working people. And people were amazed that these guys were telling this story. You can tell this story. I was in San Diego about uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, I met a man there that I'd met many years before. But his name is Ralph Moore. And Ralph started a church back in 1974 in Hermosa Beach, California. And over the years, the 40 plus years since 1974, that church has gone from one church to almost 2,500 churches. And so here Ralph is such a fun thing because he's such a humble guy. He doesn't, he doesn't put on a big show, but he's very sure of himself. He gets up and he tells the story. And he said, you, he told all of us, we were district superintendents and pastors of large churches and all, and he just, he kind of just looked at us and he said, you guys overcomplicate this whole thing, right? You're always overcomplicating it. He said, just tell the story. 
He said, do you want to know how we went from one church to 2,500 churches? He said, all we did, he said, here's what we did. I preached the Bible verse by verse every week through the scriptures. We go all through the scriptures verse by verse, you know. And that was, so you just knew, you know, I guess they made their way through Ecclesiastes. They made their way through all the Psalms. He'd just go verse by verse through the scripture. And then they'd get together. They would get together and they would just, th- three questions, three very simple questions. What is God telling you from the scripture this week? They'd get together in smaller groups through the week. What's God telling you? And then they would ask this question, what are you going to do about it? What's God telling you? What are you going to do about it? And how can I pray for you and help you? And he said they went from 1974, one church, to now 2,500 churches. And he said that's what they did. They told the story. I think those three questions that even a Leaf fan could do that, right? I really do. I believe it. Any of us can do it. And then the shepherds praised the God of heaven. They praised the Lord. 